Hello, my name is Justin. And I'm Alec. And welcome back to Flying the Wall Podcast. We're excited to have you with us this week, where we will be talking to Kyle Learman, who is uh, the former Senior Associate Director of Public Engagement and Senior Policy Advisor in the Obama White House, um, and currently the CEO of Civic Advisors. It's a mouthful, we know. <laughs> but before we get to our interview with Kyle, this is your weekly reminder to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat, or do we not do Instagram Snapchat anymore? Instagram, that's the one. We are at Fly on the Wall Pod on all of those, and we are Fly on the Wall Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us with any feedback, ideas, or just conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, always love hearing from our listeners. Uh, shoot us a note on any of those platforms, um, and stay tuned for upcoming announcements from the podcast. And we have one other order of business before we get to Kyle Learman, and that, of course, is our segment wheel. Absolutely. Let's get into our segments for the week. All right, Alec, what do we got first? First up, we have Would You Rather, which is a lucky pick for the segment wheel this week, uh, because we asked Kyle a Would You Rather question for our political picks question this week. Um, because he has experience on both of these ends, and it's would you rather work on campaigns or in the White House? We will get to Kyle's answer later in the episode, but let's start off. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Kyle's to say on this, because it's a tough one. Granted, I don't have experience working in the White House, so I can't really compare Same. anything. But I've worked on campaigns, and I really do enjoy that world. Um, the way I like to describe it is you're just, you, you really do throw your whole life into something that takes more or less a relatively short amount of time it's, it's you usually don't work on a campaign for more than a couple of months or even a couple of years at max um and you give your all to it and i think that's a really special working environment just at face value that isn't super available especially for young people um, a whole lot uh but also i mean hopefully if you're doing it right you're doing it for really great reasons or something that you truly do believe in um and the campaigns i've worked for uh over the past couple of summers have been that exactly and, and i've really really enjoyed it um and could see it as definitely something that's worth getting into, or if you don't see that as a, a final career path, something trying or, or trying your hand at it. It's, it's definitely a, an interesting time for sure. So I also have worked on campaigns before. I also never worked in the White House. Maybe one, <laughs> one day. day we'll get there. Maybe one day. Um, but I'm going to take the other uh, end here and say I would rather work in the White House because while I love the work I've done on campaigns and it makes you feel very connected to your community and everything, um, the White House or the Hill or whatever it may be to me is why you do the campaign, right? Like you campaign for the chance to govern and then you actually have the chance to govern and make people's lives better and really implement what you fought for during the campaign. So obviously you can't have one without the other, but if I only have to choose one, I would go with the White House. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one to argue against, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's give that segment wheel one more spin. And our next spin is in or out, in which uh, in which we take a topic and decide if we are in favor of it or out or against it. And what do we have this week, Alec? We have the filibuster as a concept. Do we think that the Senate should have the filibuster? So, Justin, what do you think? I have actually not as strong opinions on this as you might imagine. I think it can be used as a good tool. I think there are plenty of cases where it hasn't been used as a good tool, um, on both sides, obviously. Um, but I think the... The way it was just first created and thought out and the reasons for why it was established um, are very valid. It's essentially an important power that the Senate holds um, to check the other branches of government. Because uh, there's definitely opportunities where 
um, some from the executive branch um, or even you know others in the Senate are going down a path that is dangerous for the country. Um, and the whole idea behind the filibuster is really not how it's been used, which is more of a popularity stance and a kind of symbolic thing, but something to actually delay a very important vote and convince your colleagues in the Senate that they should be on your side. Um, so for that intended purpose, emphasis on intended purpose, I'll, I'll be in on the filibuster. So I'm going to go out on the filibuster, um, and here's why. I think we already have a system of checks and balances that is designed to protect the minority, and the filibuster is just goes a step too far. It contributes to too much gridlock, in my opinion. Um, and while you, while I agree that its intended purpose is not bad, I think we can both agree that um, it's outlived its usefulness um, and, and has become abused in recent years. Um, and I don't really see a way um, around that without just getting rid of it. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that if it, if you can't get, uh, if you can get your 51 votes in, in the majority, or if you're in the minority and have an unpopular bill that can get a couple members of the majority, then you ought to able to pass it, and if the president doesn't like it, he can veto it. If it's unconstitutional, the Supreme Court can, it can overturn it. But we have a system of checks and balances, and this one just seems to uh, create a little bit too much good luck. Yeah, again, another uh, thing that's hard to argue against. I really just, I want it to be used well once that I can point to. I don't have that right. one example where it's like, this is a great example of a good use of the filibuster. Yeah. We haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to talk to Kyle in just a second, but first, an update in our political picks. So, um, as I'm sure you know at this point in the season, but we um, started this new for the season um, where we ask our guests a question in the lightning round, um, and beforehand, your entire flying wall team uh, picks. Uh, we guess their answer. We've been keeping score. I'm not doing fantastic. I don't think Ali is I either. I am not doing super well, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like I said, we asked Kyle, would you rather work on campaigns or in the White House? I guessed the White House, so did Aaron. Justin got, I guessed campaigns. Um, Abby and Christian and Kendall did not submit their picks in time, so they will not be winning this week. It's unfortunate. It's a good way to get ahead. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, s- stay tuned for that uh, during our lightning round to see what Kyle picked. Um, but again, we're so excited to bring him in. Again, worked in the Obama White House in the Office of Public Engagement. Uh, we had a really great conversation with him about his time working on some really big uh, and actually noteworthy things or initiatives out of the Obama White House that you may have heard of, including the It's On Us campaign. Um, also, some really fun stories, just all the celebrities and uh, lots of basketball players that he was able to meet yeah. um, in that job, uh, and also kind of traced his background to how he got there, which is a really interesting story for those of us just starting out as well. Let's bring him in. All right, well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, here great final. to be here. We're really excited to have you on. Um, so we are going to dive right in, and we want to start sort of where you started your career, um, which was on campaigns, actually. Um, like many people who end up working in politics, you got your career um, starting with Obama in 2008, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, as a field organizer. So could you talk to us a little bit about how you got that start, what led you to that career path? Absolutely. Well, so I grew up in the area uh, in uh, Maryland and D.C., and had always sort of been involved in politics, uh, uh, but uh, not in like a, a really deep way until I got into college. Uh, and, and I actually, I, even before the Obama campaign, I was actually Joe Biden's first intern on his presidential really? campaign huh. in January of 2007. <laughs> um, and actually loved Joe Biden to death and have been uh, really lucky to work with him uh, on a number of different projects and his incredible staff. 
but I, yes, that was his first intern on a presidential campaign. I did that for a few months, and then, you know, uh, that really wasn't working as well as I thought some of the other campaigns were. So I ended up uh, taking another internship that summer of 2007. And then really, uh, the way I got involved in the Obama campaign was I saw his Jefferson Jackson speech, uh, mm-hmm. which was in December of 2007. And I was just like, this guy is incredible. I am so fired up. And so I fired off a couple of emails to people who I know were, were helping him. Uh, but the real seminal moment was on January 3rd, 2008, when he won the Iowa caucus. That was it. I literally got in my car the next day. Um, sorry to the Georgetown students. I was a GW student at the time. <laughs> Uh, and it was the last week of my winter break, and I just drove down to Charleston, South Carolina, nine hours wow. uh, to volunteer for what I thought was going to be a week. Uh, three days later, I ended up helping run an event at the College of Charleston where Barack Obama spoke, and I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going back to college. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I, I don't always encourage dropping out, but there are some instances where dropping out is the right thing to do, um, and I give GW a lot of credit. They actually, thank God, gave me my tuition back for That's that nice semester. Wow. Um, and so I ended up dropping out for a year and I got hired by the campaign and I worked as a field organizer in South Carolina, Maryland, Texas, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, uh, and Virginia, uh, all around the country. Uh, and it was just an unbelievable experience. I was 21 at the time and, uh, couldn't have been, uh, just more excited and, uh, could not have been a better experience. So I always encourage people uh, who are thinking about how to engage in politics. It's like, it's actually not that hard. You just got to show up. Literally got to the Charleston office, I think at like 1 a.m. on January 4th after a nine-hour drive, and they still took me in. <laughs> um, and it eventually turned into a job. So, uh, you know, sometimes politics and getting involved in it really is not particularly complicated. When you drove down to Charleston that first night, did you know or think you were going to wind up in the Obama White House? You know, that's the thing that I think is so interesting about the people that worked on the Obama campaign is that it never even crossed my mind. Um, none of us were working on that campaign to work in the White House. I mean, I don't want to say none of us. There certainly sure. were some in the, the higher ranks who sort of knew the system and knew how it worked. But I, I actually, I'll tell you the story. When I was on the campaign, there was about a week and a half out from the campaign, and I got a call from someone who was helping lead up the transition team, which is like a really big deal when you're on the campaign oh, because yeah. there's 5,000 campaign field organizers and hundreds of thousands of volunteers and only a few hundred people get to work on the transition team. And I literally told the person really appreciate reaching out. They tried to hire me. I can't talk to you right now because I'm trying to win our election and I'm working so hard in Virginia. So I'll, I'll, I'll get back in touch, but there's just no way I can talk to you about this right now. So I literally wasn't even thinking about that. Um, (laughs) Now I got lucky and I still got to work on the transition team after the campaign, but it just wasn't why we were in it. Um, everyone would have been perfectly happy, uh, you know, to not work in the administration. Uh, you know, I think we all wanted to continue serving for Barack Obama and, and working in public service, but it wasn't the reason the vast majority of us got into it in the first place, which made the campaign sort of more pure right. in some ways. Yeah, you're fighting more for the actual campaign. Nothing, yeah. nothing happens after election day. Exactly. Um, so your campaign work did focus a lot on getting out the vote and field work like you were just talking about, um, even working as GOTV director um, in Louisiana for Organizing for America um, in the next cycle, I believe. Yeah. Um, but what about that, that day-to-day work um, of field, of getting out the vote, makes it so special? Do you have any kind of of your favorite stories to tell from that? Man, well, the number of couches that I slept on <laughs> in the country. When I was in Texas, um, 
in Houston for the primary there. First off, what a shit show of a system. <laughs> the uh, Texas primary is it's, it's we tried to make it sound cool. We tried to we called it the Texas two step because mm. they it's a primary during the day and then a caucus at night. Um, that doesn't sound like it. That sounds no, too bad. Did not work particularly well. My caucus in Colorado is enough for me. Like, um, I don't need no, it. it's it, it's not a good process. Um, but so first off, I was living with my friend who went to Rice, um, who happened to have a air mattress uh, at in his dorm at Rice, and so I'd go home every night. Uh, at like 1.30, 2 a.m. after working on the campaign, uh, I'd, I'd go to sleep on a fully blown up air mattress. And then in the morning, I'd wake up on the floor because there was a <laughs> massive hole in the air mattress uh, that I would just, you know, that was the way it was in, on campaign life. Um, and uh, we ended up winning the caucus, actually. Barack Obama did, and Hillary won the primary. So we, I think, split the delegates in Texas. So the caucus has turned out to be good for us. But man, the Texas two-step sounds great, but it was it was a little rough. Um, I will say the, the next hardest thing was uh, I was in Ashland, Kentucky on the primary, um, and I was in uh, two hours away from any other uh, organizer. And I was actually told they were not the biggest fans of Barack Obama and that part of Kentucky. Um, I had nine counties under my jurisdiction, and I won't tell you the specific county, but I was actually told uh, by a few volunteers that the judge of one county had told me that if I came to that county, I would be shot. <laughs> so I did not organize as much in that county as, as I did focus on some of the other ones. There's some trade-offs you have to yeah, make. You know, the yeah, there are. There are. <laughs> uh, but overall, the reason it was such an unbelievable experience was I was 21. And, you know, you never get that level of management experience at the age of 21. I was a fine field organizer when I was in South Carolina and Maryland. But by the time I had gotten to Virginia, I was like this grizzled veteran <laughs> who had worked in five states and had all this experience. And I ended up at the end of the day, I had 26 full-time people working out of my office in Falls wow. Church, Virginia. And uh, for the last several weeks, I had 2,500 volunteers. And so you're really managing and running a massive operation at the mm -hmm. age of 21 or 22 or 23, the rest of the age of my friends were. Um, and so there's just nothing like it, uh, and I wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything. So after you did that uh, on the Obama 08 campaign and then the uh, transition team, yeah. you took matters into your own hands a little bit and decided to run for state delegate in uh, Maryland. So take us through that decision process. What made you want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, being a field organizer sort of makes you feel like you can do anything, yeah. especially after you win a presidential election. <laughs> uh, you feel a little invincible. So first off, I went back to GW. I actually ended up taking 16 classes in a year. And let's just say oh, cramming, wow. cramming was a little easier after working as an organizer on a campaign <laughs> than it was before. Put things in perspective a little bit. Um, and then I, I went to Haiti after the earthquake in early 2010. And when I got back, uh, my hometown delegate in Bethesda, Maryland, had resigned to go work in the Obama administration. Great guy. His name was Bill Bronrot, uh, and had been our delegate for a long time. And there were a couple issues uh, that I was interested in and passionate about that that legislative session in Maryland, they had not taken action on. The three main ones were education reform. I was a big believer in sort of the race to the top at the time and in changing things up. Um, I had been a product of our public schools in Maryland and Everyone thought that they were incredible, but I always felt like they could have been doing better and doing more, and we were failing a lot of our students. The second was, uh, and this was fun as a 23-year-old, the alcohol tax hadn't been raised <laughs> since uh, 1968, and, and it was proposed to be raised to fund 
a disability fund. Uh, and so I was passionate about that. And then when I was in high school, I worked on a, a sort of an effort to s- stop drunk driving. Um, and I jokingly say I worked on that effort during class and I worked on that effort on Friday and Saturdays as well. I was always the DD. <laughs> the most important uh, Yes. And, uh, you know, there was a there was a bill that would have made it so that people would have uh, had to use interlock devices that they would have to breathe in before they drove if they got caught drinking and driving. And that didn't pass. And sort of like these are all logical, good, progressive things and none of them can get done. So when he announced he was resigning, it's just like, screw it. I'm going to run for office and, and push these three issues myself. And I really ran on those three things um, and came up short 356 votes. Oh. That, you know, I was counting or anything. <laughs> um, and uh, But it was a really fun experience. You get to uh, know your community better than ever before, which is just like field organizing. It's a great way to understand a neighborhood, understand a town. Um, but man, am I happy I lost um, because... It was a great experience, but got a call a few weeks later from a guy named Michael Stratmanis, who was Valerie Jarrett's chief of staff at the time. And uh, I had worked with him in South Carolina and in Maryland on the on the primary. And he'd sort of become a mentor, someone who I'd checked in with on a regular basis. And he had an, a staff assistant position open in his office, uh, working, believe it or not, uh, in, engaging the sports world. So. I literally got so lucky. I got like the best freaking job in the White House um, after losing that election. And so um, really encourage young people to run because it's a great way to make change. But um, in that instance, I was very happy that it didn't work out in the end. You're listening to Fly on the Wall. We'll be right back. The tweet of the week this week is lit. David Litt, that is, the former speechwriter, comedic, uh, comedic speechwriter. And former Fly on the Wall guest. And former Fly on the Wall guest, uh, speechwriter in the Obama administration. So Reuters Top News uh, announced that Russia unveiled its name for Putin's new super weapons after a public vote. You guys may recall that a couple years ago, the British government decided to name a vessel um, by public vote. Did not go so well. The, the vote that won was Bodie McBoatface. Um, and so David Litt retweeted this Reuters tweet about Russia's public vote to name their super weapons, that the name would be Nuki McNukeface. <laughs> Honestly, it's, no. not a, it's not a bad choice. <laughs> a quick disclaimer, that is not the actual winner of uh, the public vote, but a, a, a kind of a classic David Litt line, I think. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I think you should have <laughs> Nuki McNukeface, if Russia's taking my opinion on this. And certainly not the only way to make change, um, as you found out, because you did end up going to work in the Obama White House, like you were just saying. Um, and a lot of your work there, we'll get into some of the specifics, um, but was more or less focused a lot on youth and youth outreach. Yeah. Um, eventually, obviously, as liaison to young Americans. Um, so what led you to get involved with those sorts of type of policy and advocacy issues? So I was preceded by, in that role specifically, um, a guy named Cal Penn, um, who some people know from... Uh, designated survivor and Harold and Kumar fame. Right. And, and then another guy named Ronnie Cho, who actually was one of the main stars in the the Obama documentary that HBO put out. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm following two like Obama <laughs> stars here. Um, and uh, I've been doing a lot of other work, but I'd always been really interested in education. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie, being the good colleague that he was, knew I was. And him and a couple of my other colleagues got me really engaged in the college affordability fights that we were working on. And when Ronnie ended up leaving, which I always give him shit because he left 
like two months before open enrollment started for Obamacare, which the main important, most important thing we had to do uh, for Obamacare was enroll young people in healthcare. And our youth liaison left (laughs) two months uh, before it started. So I got that job uh, after he left um, and just sort of dove in. And it was an incredible experience. I got to sort of, the healthcare piece was both the worst part of our time, all of our times at the White House in many ways, because when the healthcare website broke, we were literally just like sitting there, weren't, you know, waiting for the tech people to fix the damn website um, and couldn't do anything. But once it finally got up and going again, I organized a White House Youth Summit. And I literally flew down to Miami one time uh, to get LeBron James to film a healthcare PSA. <laughs> um, and so we sort of just made up a whole bunch of shit to try and get the word out as much as possible. Uh, during the healthcare debate. And then that sort of pushed me into the space where I was working with celebrities and athletes in a pretty big way. Um, and we wanted to use that style of organizing for a lot of the other issues. And so that took me into the It's On Us campaign mm-hmm. to stop sexual assault, our free community college effort. It was sort of like, how can we, since Congress isn't going to do shit, how can we uh, continue to push our message, engage people around the country, get states, mayors, colleges, philanthropists, business leaders to do what we think uh, should be happening around the country in a big way. So in the Office of Public Engagement, you work specifically on programs like Champions of Change, mm-hmm. um, for instance. So what did your role look like in relation to that? And what are some of the most memorable moments for that work? Um, wow, that's a, that's a hard question uh, to answer. There were so many incredible moments. Um, I'm sure you've probably talked to you know David Litt and others who were in the White House, and it's hard to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put into a couple different categories. And this, when my job was the sports stuff, I was a huge basketball fan when I was growing up, still am. And so the basketball moments were always the most fun. I remember one day I randomly got a call from Reggie Love and he's like, Kyle, Kobe Bryant wants to meet with the person who does Twitter at the White House. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about, Reggie? <laughs> and, um, but I was like, okay, we'll do it. And so Reggie was in, or excuse me, Kobe Bryant was in town for the 2012 Olympic um, U.S. versus Brazil game. And so Macon Phillips and I, who was the head of the office digital strategy at the time, literally went over to the basement of the Ritz-Carlton and met with Kobe Bryant for an hour and a half to talk to him about why he should be on Twitter. Um, which was just like, <laughs> this is unbelievable. And you get paid for yeah. this. We, yeah, people, <laughs> now I do get paid for this, but I did not get paid. I, I, well, I got paid by the government at the time, but yeah. um, it was just a sort of a h- hilarious moment. And then I actually got to go with President Obama to the game, U.S. versus oh, wow. Brazil uh, later. And I'm a, folks that know me well know I'm a huge uh, Maryland person. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, I'm a huge Under Armour fan. Sure. Mm. And so, uh, USA Basketball is sort of like owned by Nike. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run everything. They brand everything. And um, the president came to the game wearing an Under Armour jacket and went up and shook the, pr- the president of Nike's hand wearing an Under Armour jacket. And I was just like, this is the greatest thing. <laughs> um, That's not your job to do with the PR fallout. No, exactly. I'm, I was like, this is great. Under Armour all the way. Um, so that was fun. And I got to hang out in the locker room and like, I knew Kobe at the time. So I was like, hey, Kobe, good to see you again. Hope your, <laughs> hope your tweets are going well. Um, so that was on the sports front. That was the sort of surreal moment. But the real, you know, uh, the real moments that stick with you are things like when 
we made the DACA announcement. And when we hit, the, actually one of the most incredible moments was when we ended up enrolling 7 million people in healthcare and celebrating that out on the South Lawn. Um, we were all just like working our asses off on that for months and months and months and many people years actually. And so the, the moments when uh, you were able to, with the staff who you were sort of in the foxhole with, um, step back and see some of the big things that uh, you had done come together um, were really incredible. My sister, just quickly, uh, and I'll and I'll we can move to the next question. My one of the campaigns I launched was the It's On Us campaign to stop mm-hmm. sexual assault, mm-hmm. and the reason I got involved in that, or the way I got involved in that, was that the day that the president and the vice president announced the White House task force to stop sexual assault on campus, my sister, who's my older sister, called me and she said, Kyle, can you uh, please tell the president and the vice president, thank you. I was raped when I was at college. And I didn't know this at the time. Um, And so this is, you know, I'm eight years younger than my sister. So this is my big sister telling me this. And so I really dove into the work. um, And I'll admit it wasn't an issue that I've been particularly involved in before. And um, I got to bring my sister to meet the president the day that we announced the It's On Us campaign. Actually, I'd give a shout out to my boss, Valerie Jarrett, who had her assistant pull my sister from the crowd um, wow. and bring her in to meet the president because Valerie knew uh, the story and why I was involved. And so literally got to, to be there with my sister, with the president, with Valerie, and launching this campaign that was inspired by you know, all the survivors that had spoken out across the country, but then also the fact that this had happened to someone in my family. And so that was a pretty incredible moment, too. We were actually just about to ask what were the most memorable moments in working on It's On Us. Oh, but sorry. <laughs> I skipped over. Champions of Change was a memorable <laughs> moment every week. I skipped your question a little bit. Yeah. We yeah, had these fantastic. incredible people no, in every week. and um, Saves us time, too. I so. stay in touch with them. I love when I see on Twitter or Facebook um, – that people have like White House Champion of Change in mm. their in their bio. I'm like, it worked. That was you. That was it. <laughs> uh, actually, someone told me a story one time that um, it was Ann Philippic, actually, who's now the chief program officer at the Obama Foundation. She was volunteering in Iowa. I can't remember if it was 16 or 12, but she said that someone came up to her. She was like manning a volunteer station, and they said, "I'm I'm affiliated with the White House," and and she was like, "Oh, interesting. Like, I, I know some people there." And the guy just goes, yeah, I'm a White House champion of change, but I'm here to knock on doors. And it's like, great. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. Uh, these people are everywhere, and they're doing incredible stuff. Um, so you touched a bit on, obviously, Champions of Change and It's On Us campaign, as well yeah. as the Obamacare rollout. Um, so we want to talk a bit more about what your day-to-day looks like there. Because obviously, like, it sounds great. Like, you we're going to go engage with youth. That sounds like a really fun project. But how does that actually happen? <laughs> what what sort of tactics, what, you know, what does your actual day-to-day look like in, in getting the message out to you, whether it's not, or whether it's about, you know, advocating for It's On Us or getting them to enroll in Obamacare. So the thing that I realized not far, not long after I started doing the youth job in particular was that if I viewed myself individually as the liaison and sort of that it was just my job to talk to as many people as an individual Mm -hmm. to hear their stories about what they cared about as a young person and thought we should be doing as a young person, that would actually have been a failure in my mind because I could talk to, you know, hundreds of people a year or a few thousand people a year. But um, as the one person designated with this task at the White House, I had to figure out how can I represent young people in the White House in a real way 
and hear more voices? And then also, how can I help organize young people across the country on the issues that we're aligned on? And so I really worked through external organizations and groups and built these campaigns that were designed to um, basically add to my capacity to be able to do this. So on healthcare, for example, I worked really closely with a group called Young Invincibles, um, which is a nonprofit here in Washington that focuses on supporting young people. And, um, you know, there are 30 staff at Young Invincibles who they didn't work for me, but I worked through them to reach more people uh, when it came to organizing around healthcare around the country. Um, on college affordability, I worked with a group called Generation Progress, which is the youth arm of the Center for American Progress. And they were integral in all of our efforts and all of our organizing around college affordability. Um, and then It's On Us is housed at Civic Nation. And so we worked really closely with Civic Nation on It's On Us and um, the Campaign for Free Community College. But if it, it was always sort of there needed to be an intermediary. Right. Because um, if I was trying to do it on my own, it would have just totally failed. And I also did a ton of work with the agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tried to push the uh, agencies to make sure that they were engaging with young people um, and, you know, had a youth strategy and were reaching out to young people and bringing them in um, and meeting with young people when they were out across the country in a big way. So um, it sort of took different facets, but anyone who tries to just sort of take it themselves is not going to do the job well. And one of the hard things there is that it's sort of that old mantra, you can get anything done if you're willing to not take credit for it. (laughs) Um, That was what I had to do. I I had to not, it, it sometimes it felt better for me personally when I was out there speaking to people and telling them I was the youth liaison, that felt really great and like I was pretty cool, but it actually didn't get nearly as much done as when I empowered other groups and other leaders and organized them to be out there in a much more significant way. Uh, and that was just much more effective. You're listening to Fly in the Wall. We'll be right back. This week's Politicos as Real People comes to us courtesy of DC's Snow Day last week, Uh, and this is from Cory Booker and Jeff Flake, two senators, Uh, and this is from Cory Booker's Twitter. Uh, So he says, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton had theirs. Jeff Flake and I are having our version, uh, a snowball duel. Yes, the two of them actually had a snowball duel out on the Capitol East lawn, um, and whoever got hit the most had to buy each other's staff pizza. This was hilarious. There's not video, unfortunately, at least that I've been able to find. If you have, send it to us, tweet it at us, because I want to see it. But there is photographic evidence. There is photographic evidence um, from some bystanders actually in the Capitol hallways taking pictures of the windows. And from Jeff Flake's official Twitter account. And, yes, and from some official Twitter accounts. And it does look like, I'm just scrolling through his Twitter feed right now, not to steal your thunder, but um, it does look like Cory Booker made good on his promise, and Jeff Flake's staff enjoyed a nice four, five pies of pizza. Yeah, disappointed in my senator for losing the snowball fight, but uh, yeah. good for following through on his promise. Following the uh, Obama administration, you continue to work in public service and uh, launch civic advisors. So what talk us through your decision to launch civic advisors a little bit. Um, what led you to do it? Who do you talk to? What building the organization look like? Um, so it was a, it was a wild ride, uh, <laughs> after no, was it, November 8th, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of us who worked in the Obama White House were just like, we're just going to go to sleep. <laughs> um, everyone is going to go to sleep after we leave. Like 
Team Hillary, you know, has got it. They'll 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 keep working on the progress that that we've put forth over the last eight years, um, and that did not happen. Um, and so, you know, I I said a couple things to myself. One, I said I'm committing now to make sure that I do everything I can to stop him from being reelected, which I don't entirely know what that means, but it'll mean that I'm doing everything I can in the next couple of years to make sure he doesn't win in 2020 and to help elect Democrats in the midterms and, and even these off cycle races. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to keep working on some of the projects that I engaged with when I was at the White House. It's on us. Uh, Reach Hire, our initiative to encourage first generation low income students to go to college, the free community college campaign. We had made a lot of progress on those issues, but there was so much more work to be done. But I also wanted to be able to be engaged in politics. And frankly, legally, the only way to do that, to work at, with nonprofits and then to work in politics and then to work with companies, is you have to start your own. Um, and so Civic Advisors was born out of, you know, sort of feeling the need to continue the mission in a lot of ways. I tell people I'm not a particularly good business person because I'm really just trying to, it's a vehicle right. to help as many people in as many causes as I can. And mm-hmm. um uh, sometimes I'm, I forget to ask people like, oh, you actually are supposed to be paying me for that now. <laughs> um, but, uh, they, you know, it's been a great experience and it's allowed me uh, to keep the band together a little bit. We've got some incredible staff uh, from the Office of Digital Strategy, communications from across the administration, just the best quality people who are incredible at their jobs on our team at Civic Advisors. And um, we work with huge organizations like we're helping UNICEF USA rebuild their grassroots movement around the United States. We work with some athletes and celebrities on helping them engage with their audiences and push progressive issues and causes around the country. Um, And then I get to work on those uh, uh, initiatives that I mentioned as well. So it really was the the best way for me to be able to do all of that while still being able to pay for childcare for my newborn. Which is important. <laughs> yes, which is necessary. My wife would not have liked the job if it didn't pay at least some of the bills. Um, so talk to us a bit more about what the actual work is that you guys do here. So Civic Advisors, uh, I, I sort of think of it in a couple different ways. Really, I we started to do at the White House in the last couple of years with things like It's On Us. Is we combine the power of celebrity, athlete engagement, influencer engagement, large media outreach with grassroots organizing. And when you put those two things together, it's just a really powerful combination. And um, that was why the It's On Us campaign was so successful. We had over $125 million in in in-kind PSA space from companies, but we also had thousands of young people across uh, campuses around the country who were organizing on the issue and pressing the issue in a big way. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we do at, at our company. We help people figure out how to do that organizing work along with that influencer engagement. Um, and we make connections, we build <coughs> partnerships, we build, we do branding and creative, uh, we do digital strategy and communication strategy. Um, and we help people think through um, how do you use organizing to achieve your mission in a significant way. So what were some of your biggest goals um, with this new organization? Obviously you talked about a lot of what led to where you are today. Um, but, um, get into a little more of like how you foresee this going into the future. Cause obviously yeah. this is a new organization. Um, but kind of drawing on the values and the programs you worked on in the Obama world. Um, what are your biggest goals and, and, and how do you see them going forward? So, I mean, my biggest goal, and I, I say this, it, it's, it's to help the different organizations that civic advisors 
works for, consults with, build movements and make a bigger impact. And a lot of times people think it's about resources, it's just about fundraising or it's just about, um, you know, getting more money or, or, you know, the way we come at it is we feel like time is the most valuable resource. And the only way to expand the time that you have as an organization to do good work is by organizing and by creating more capacity through the passion that people have for the work that you're trying to do. And uh, that is really what we try to do at Civic Advisors is help organizations think about how can they build movements around the country on the issues that they're pushing. And then companies and athletes and celebrities, it's how can you use your platform and your, and your presence and the resources that you do have to make the biggest bang uh, for your buck, to make the biggest impact possible. And so, you know, that's really what we're trying to do and with as many organizations as possible. And then on the political side, uh, really help uh, good progressive Democrats get elected um, across the country. And, you know, Civic Advisors is a new company. We've been up for about a year now. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, I can't tell you where it's going to be in two years. What I do know is we're really proud of the work that we've been able to do um, and the clients that we do have because uh, it's something that I can go home at night and be proud of that I'm working on every day. And I'm excited to come to work every day. And I think all of our employees are as well. So, um it's been a great experience so far. That's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now we're going to move into our last segment uh, called the lightning round. And we'll just ask you three kind of rapid fire questions. And <laughs> Three's first... not lightning. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll go one at a time. The right. first answer that comes to mind. Um, better to work on a, a campaign or in the White House? Campaign. Okay. Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, he gets campaign, I guess White House. So. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Second lightning round question. Would you run for office again? I probably will at some point. Um, if... Uh, you know, you guys heard why I ran before. There yeah. were three issues that I care about, and I felt like if I ran, I can make a difference on it. So if that lines up again, I'll, I'll definitely. Take so a look civic at advisors it. moving out to Iowa now, or yeah. <laughs> ah, no, no, okay. um, not yet, not yet. That makes a lot of sense. And last one, favorite athlete you've met? I will say I did, uh, or celebrity. We'll go either. Well, no, I went out of my way to, um, like, so I, since I was the the liaison of the the sports world, I met athletes all the time right. and I met some celebrities and I always told me it was my job to not be the one that was star fucking, um, to use the uh, correct term. Sure. <laughs> um, so the only time I ever really kind of geeked out over someone was my, my like middle school, high school idol was Jason Kidd. Um, and cause I was a point guard mm-hmm. and he was sort of the icon point guard of my, my time growing up. And so I got a little dorky uh, when I met Jason Kidd and it was pretty cool. Gotta gotta take a take some happiness out of the, the perks of the job. Yeah, exactly. Sure. You know, yeah, take it advantage wasn't bad. of that. It wasn't bad. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us here on Fly on the Wall. Um, we obviously learned a lot about your time going really from field organizing field organizing in the campaign all the way up to the White House um, and beyond. Um, so we wish you and Civic Advisors the best of luck in the next couple of years. Great to meet you guys. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. And there you have it with Kyle Lehrman. So you heard in his political picks there, he actually went with campaigns. So Justin's going to get a point this week. It's an interesting choice. Although for someone who's actually dropped out of college to go work on a campaign, I can't right. be too surprised that he did pick campaigns. Um, and that really was an awesome story. Uh, not 
something that I'm sure my parents would be super thrilled about. Yeah, if I just told them I was going <laughs> to hop in a car down to Charlton uh, one weekend because I like the speech that I saw on TV, I don't think I'd have their full support. Yeah, but that being said, really an, a really, really interesting personal account of what it was like getting swept up in that Obama 08 campaign um, and what really that whole campaign world can do, obviously, took Kyle all the way from starting out in field work to actually working in the White House and beyond. So, uh, that does it for us this week. Um, before we go, as always, check us out on social media, things like that. Um, yeah, we don't have anything else for you. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Happy Easter. scenario for you okay you tell your parents you're going to drop out of college and go work on a campaign for someone that not a lot of the country even heard of how do they respond uh celebrating a thirty thousand dollar discount on the semester <laughs> <laughs> that's one perspective <laughs> on the other hand take, i suppose on the other hand they might be disappointed that they uh had invested so much of my college education up until that point um that that I would just go drop out to work on a campaign. Yeah, so tells me that's the more high. likely scenario yeah. there, that they may not be super thrilled with your decision. Yeah. Uh, but good for Kyle Lehman's parents, because apparently they were behind him. Yes, so, so way to go. And it took him far. He yeah. made it to the White House.